welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I are ready to talk all, all the trades. Trades upcoming, trades that we've dreamed up in our heads, and uh, most of all, trades that involve the Vancouver Canucks because they are about to spread the stuff all over the ceiling, as it were. Uh, Justin, hi. Welcome to the show. Stuff all over the ceiling. Stuff all over the ceiling. It's hap- It's going to happen, right? Like I was waiting for the notification that uh, Bruce Boudreaux was was canned. I mean, it's it's happening, right? It's post. Apparently, they've got uh, Mister Tockett lined up, ready to go, and um, and apparently Sergey Gonchar's coming over from wherever he's been hanging out. I, I honestly can't remember mm-hmm. off the top of my head, but uh, apparently he's going to be a quote unquote assistant, according to the insiders, whomever they may be. So yeah, who we'll you, see how that plays who are, out. Uh, who are your insiders? Darren Dreger, uh, <laughs> you know, those guys. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, with Vancouver has been such a Jekyll and Hyde kind of team. You know, like, all right, they're so far out of it. You know, time to fire the coach. And then they go rattle off four in a row. And and then they, they pull themselves back into, into position. And then, you know, they as soon as they're close they just fall off the map again and they're three and seven in their last 10. I I mean, how have we not put a pin in the Boudreaux deal? Like you wanted to fire them in the off season or I shouldn't say they wanted to fire them. They wanted to, they didn't want to keep them. Like that was the news was that they, you know, there was, it was all the contract talks and they couldn't figure it out. And and it was like Vancouver didn't want to keep them, but they kind of had to because they had such good success at the end of the year. And my hunch is that Jim Rutherford went, I understand we had success. I don't think that it's sustainable success. And he was right. Although he didn't have the balls to pull the trigger. And that's yeah, what it comes think, down to, right? Like, and, and yeah. it's, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I think that like a lot of other teams, they had this pipe dream of Barry Trotz or some of the other coaches, right, that they would be able to get their hands on him in the offseason, and it just didn't work out. So you just basically say at this point, well, crap, you know what? Uh, he's probably the best we're going to do at this point. We'll see how the season goes and go from there. And you're, you're probably right, though. It was just a big pipe dream. Yeah, but if you liked Rick Tockett so much, why like could have done this in the offseason, and maybe you, act, maybe you get your whole season back. Maybe you're in a completely different position. But I get it. It's hard to fire a coach that just went on pace for about 97, 98 points when he was your coach. So he was it, a fan favorite. Right, right. Bruce, I, there it is. I get it, but it's it's clear that there was an issue. I mean, I, from what I understand, the way that he was running camp, and, and you know, there was all sorts of different, different knocks against him that – Maybe some teams wouldn't have minded, but particularly Jim Rutherford, it sounded like he has an issue, or or Patrick Alvine, their general manager, and it's uh it, this this is like the longest it's ever taken a coach to get fired when we all know he's getting fired. I right. even on teams where you're like, well, I get it, they're bad and they could fire their coach. Maybe they will, maybe they should, but but they don't have to. This is like, why in God's name have you not fired him yet? Like, what kind of, like, it, it just seems mean at this point. And, I mean, everyone, you got to feel for Bruce Boudreaux. I mean, he, yeah, he came here to be to be the coach. He did really well last year. And then he basically gets no support from upper management. 
and goes into this year and yeah, of course, of course you crap the bed because your upper management doesn't support you. I mean, how often do you see a coach where upper management goes, we, you'd really like to get rid of this guy. We're waiting for him to fail <laughs> and he succeeds. <laughs> it doesn't happen. It, it very rarely is that going to happen. Um, but yes, the Vancouver can, I mean, I think all of this, uh, certainly is bringing about the conversation about the trades that are upcoming in Vancouver. Uh, we now know that Tanner Pearson is likely out for the rest of the year, uh, about to have what is third or fourth hand surgery. Uh, and according to Quinn Hughes, they botched it. Like is what, is what we understand. You know, Quinn Hughes came out right. and said they, they botched it or they're, they're not doing it, uh, doing them well. And, and that sucks. It's just another, another blight on your team. But uh, when it comes to the Canucks, I think the thing that we're most interested in and the thing that we're waiting for and the thing that Jim, Jim Rutherford has brought in the past is some fun moves, like some aggressive trades that change the, the dynamic of, of the team. And they have yet to do that since he has been the general manager. There really has been no really big trades, uh, significant pieces being brought in or out. And now you wonder, you know, who's first? That's the question, right? Um, I mean, you have to assume at this point it's probably Bo, Bo Horvat. I mean, gosh, I, I, I don't know if, if you've you know got a chance to listen to his, his recent presser. But uh, basically he said everybody but Elias Pettersson is, is, is touchable, right? right. I, I mean, he, I think he did say that Quinn Hughes, it would take a monster package to pull him away too. But basically Elias Pettersson was the only untouchable, which, which is kind of a shocker to me. I, I would assume, you know, Quinn Hughes would be untouchable too, but maybe New Jersey wants to make a play and, and have all the, get all the, the bros brothers. together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I mean, look to me, Bo Horvath's the obvious answer. I think, um, you know, again, in Rutherford's little presser, he came out and said that they made their best, um, you know, their best offer. And, and from what I understand it, it probably starts with a seven. So, which is laughable, which you know, it is a little bit, but uh, you know, even if what it, I also, I mean, well, even if it starts with an eight, I think that there's, there is at least a couple teams that would be willing to pay him nine or more. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think an eight is a fair number given his history. Uh, I mean, yes, he is having a career year and yes, he's, he's a phenomenal two way player, great face off person. Uh, you know, but again, given his history, he's never really had this kind of production that he's having this season. So, you know, I, again, a lot of players, they cash in or they like to have their career years when they're in, in you know, for a contract. And so, um, but, you know, the bottom line is they made an offer and they made it clear that they weren't going any higher than what they offered, um, you know, JT Miller on his extension. And, you know, maybe that might be insulting to, to Bo Horvat, you know, because he's the captain. He's a guy, I mean, if you look at it between the way JT Miller just kind of JT Miller is, is a great hockey player. Don't get me wrong, but he has these moments where I watch him this season and he just kind of gives up on plays. He just is, he turns the shit over like, like constantly. And so you think if you're Bo Horvath, you look at him like, okay, I am obviously a better hockey player than, than JT Miller, or at least (laughs) on the same page. So you, you have to think I should be getting at least 8 million bucks, especially because I wear the C as well. So, well, yeah. And I mean, he's been there, isn't he was drafted by the Canucks? You remember he was in, he was the first round pick traded by the Devils to the Canucks for Corey Schneider, and uh, and he's been with the Canucks ever since. So uh, there is something to be said about that, you know. When you're 
you're the homegrown guy and you've been there forever. And uh, to lose him, I think, would be very, uh, very telling as to how deep this organization has gone into the toilet bowl. Like he wants to stay. You're not willing to pay him. Like, let's be honest, Bo Horvat or Matthew Barzell, which one would you rather have? I'll take Bo Horvat all day. Right. And Barzell's going to get nine one. Exactly. Yeah. And who is in a very everything. similar situation, right? Like he's drafted by the Islanders. He's a he's a good player. Like, and he's he's about to get paid because he loves the island. He wants to stay in New York, and Horvat wants to stay in Vancouver. They just they're not willing to to pay him that Horvat or the uh, the Barzell money is my guess, and uh, the money that I think that it's likely that also Dylan Larkin goes after as well is that right around $9 million a year, uh, which is something we can get to, of course, later in the show. But uh, <laughs> yes, Horvat. So Horvat goes, where do you think he's going? Any, where, where are your landing places for Horvat? Oh boy. You know, I, I mean, obviously the first place that, that I look at is the Colorado avalanche. Um, yeah. But I do, do you think- want to get traded to a team that's going to miss the playoffs? Well, maybe not, but you know, again, <laughs> he doesn't have any say in that. Right. And if you're if you're the Vancouver Canucks, maybe you take a gamble and you make that play anyways and hope to get a. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to get a first round pick back for him no matter what. So, um, you know, you get a first round pick from Colorado. It potentially could be a lottery pick, and or at least get you, you know, in the low tens maybe or something if you if you luck out on the lottery and they miss the playoffs. So there's that potential, and I'm sure Colorado would make it top ten, you know, protected, but. Um, you know, again, I, I think Colorado to me is is the easy team to just say, hey, you know what? I think this is where this guy's going to go. Um, but I, I think beyond that, another team that I, I honestly would love to see him go to that I think he would fit in well for his style of play. Now, creating cap room would be, you know, I think a little bit harder for this team than maybe Colorado. But the Carolina Hurricanes, I think, could really use a Bo Horvat because, um, you know, last year when, when Carolina was, you know, falling out of the playoffs, I said the one thing they've, they've been missing for a while is – is like that superstar player, right? And or that elite scorer. And so I think with Matt Petcheretti back, and I think Sveshnikov taking another step, I think they can kind of, you know, button up that that scoring that they need. But I, I think they also need to find themselves an elite number two center now that Trocheck's gone. And you know, honestly, Koketniemi's not really doing it. I know Jim Rutherford came out and said that they want to get younger, and maybe this is the move, right? Maybe you do a sign and trade where you get rid of Koketniemi and you toss in maybe some other pieces some picks and you work out a way to bring in Bo Horvat on a sign and trade. Yeah. I don't know if I'm Vancouver. I'm looking at Coke and Yemi and, and want that deal. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you, but I, I think there's opportunities to get younger. If that's, you know, these would be the type of pieces you would have to look at reclamation projects, much like Ethan bear, what they did with him. Right. I think they went to, to Edmonton and they, they found a player that, Maybe they thought they could, you know, re-energize or rejuvenate, and he's come in and played pretty well for them. Uh, all things considered, is you know, even though this team is sitting 30th in goals against in the league, but um, you know, I think Ethan Bear has worked out pretty well, and so I think they'll try to look for guys like that. Not necessarily Kokaniemi, maybe because of his term and contract, but other guys of you know that age and, and caliber. You know, there's one team that I think should go out and grab Bo Horvat. And it would do the opposite of what Vancouver's doing. By trading Bo Horvat, you're kind of, uh, 
in my mind, I, I get they're maybe not doing like a full on tear, like full tear down rebuild, but you're certainly you're losing a, a big piece. It's going to change your team. He's the captain, so it's going to change the entire dynamic of your team. Uh, and I think the team that could use a Bo Horvat walking into the playoffs, or at least the, this trade deadline time. Now, the sooner they could get him, the better, because this team is uh, not guaranteed anything at this point. They're not in the playoffs yet. But that's the Buffalo Sabres. Ooh. I wonder, the Sabres, I mean, now the Sabres have, uh, they've, they've got, you know, some games in hand. I know they're six points out of the playoffs right now. But add in a Bo Horvat and convince him to stay in Buffalo. Suddenly you've got Tage Thompson, Horvat, Middlestat up the middle, and you don't have to play Middlestat up the middle anymore, which in my mind is actually, that that's probably ideal. Uh, then you you can play Dylan Cousins at the third line. Like you can, or you can play him as a third line center. You've got Tyson Jost who you're playing as a fourth line center. Uh, I think he would really add to that team. And the, I mean, the defensive center of a Stanley cup winning team is so crucial. And I don't think the Sabres have it. I'm not saying the Sabres are going to make the playoffs this year, but it would be interesting to make that deal. And you might need to have a, you know, you might have to have a deal in place to acquire them um, to make it worth it for you. But, uh, that would be a low a destination. They could afford the full cap it. Uh, that would be a destination that would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I, I like that from the perspective that um, Vancouver could get back younger pieces, which is which is what I know they want. So they could go after a guy like Jack Quinn. You could potentially try to throw in, you know, a Casey Middlestat, um, younger guys like that. That I think that Vancouver could build around their low cap hits. Right now, got a couple of years Quinn. left on a deal, you know, with Casey Middlestat, or another year left before he's an RFA. Casey Middlestat. Yeah, I think that would that would probably fare pretty well and and be quite doable because look, I mean, they've also got three second round picks right. this year, so I think that's capital that they could afford to burn if they want to toss in, you know, later, you know, a 2025 first round pick and maybe a second round pick or something of, of that nature with a, a a good prospect. I think you know, like Jack Quinn, that could. Remember that could get like, it done. They also have Peyton Krebs down there in the minors. Yep. You know, that's, uh, yeah, that could get it done. There there are some some nice pieces, uh, something that could work for both teams. Now, I, I I don't know that Buffalo, like Buffalo might say, we're just not in the position to make that move. We would rather sit and, and let a guy like Jack Quinn, let a guy like Peyton Krebs develop, and that's totally fair. Uh, but as far as what they need, they need a guy like Bo Horvat. I think to to really find themselves in a position to not just make the playoffs but contend in in that division especially like you're going toe to toe with some pretty damn good centers uh, <laughs> and and not that I mean Tage Thompson obviously isn't a slouch uh, but I don't know that he has the ability to shut guys down and playoff time is a very very different as we see every year that you can be a high-flying player in the regular season and come playoff time, if you can't grind, you aren't going to win. Now, yeah, gonna... I will tell you this. I mean, I, w- I will say for Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, these younger guys, I mean, that would be just ideal. Even if they get swept in the first round, I think it would be invaluable experience for these younger players. Oh, I mean, I'd be as long as they're not playing the Leafs, I'd be rooting for them. <laughs> they probably would play the Boston Bruins. And you're never going to hate a, a Boston Buffalo first round. 
would not complain about that at all. Nope. Um, okay. Well, I mean, we could probably just talk Vancouver Canucks all the entire show. Uh, but I do want to pivot a little bit to uh, the Seattle Kraken, who, believe it or not, if, if you haven't heard, they, they broke a North American sports record with the most consecutive road wins uh, or the, the, an undef- with an undefeated road trip of eight games, I, I think it was, seven or eight games. Seven games. Seven yeah. games. Uh, pretty incredible. Amazing that that's never happened before. Like, you'd think of all the really great teams that have been out there that uh, someone would have won seven games in a seven-game road trip. But nope, never been done before. Pretty cool for the Seattle Kraken. And the Kraken, who we talked just a couple shows ago. <laughs> I, I will, I'm willing to eat my words here. I actually looked at their January schedule and I was like, they're screwed. Like this has been all nice and good, uh, but it doesn't look like they're going to be able to, to keep this pace up and likely they will fall out of the playoffs. I, I did say that. I said they'd fall out of the playoffs and my God, they did just the opposite. They actually took January by the balls and squeezed it. And then they ate the testicles for dessert. Uh, they have made this, month their bitch and <laughs> and seattle is now in a position where i mean they're nine points up on the avalanche who would be the you know if they fell all the way into the the wild card spot i mean that's a long way to fall uh as far as their own division they are you know they're tied with la with three games in hand though and then the next team's vancouver with 39 points 17 points behind so, well, I guess you've got Edmonton and Calgary in there, 51. Um, yeah, Seattle's just killing it. And they're doing it in a way that I don't think either one of us expected. And that is scoring more goals than pretty much everyone in the NHL. It's incredible. Yeah, they're, they've been impressive. I mean, look, if, if you look at their, their road trip they just had, not only did they hand Boston their first regulation loss at home this season, which is incredible to think that if, if, right. if I had to pick a team that would have done it, I would have maybe said Toronto, right? Or, right, or maybe right. Carolina. But no, it was Seattle. Would have been last. But they go ahead and score eight on Chicago, eight on Ottawa. They put up five against Toronto, five on Edmonton. I mean, they were they were lighting it, it they were lighting it up, like you said, and they managed to throw in a couple shutouts in there too. So but they've scored um, eight goals four times this year. Yeah. Very impressed. I mean, look, if you look up and down this lineup, right, they're just deep. They have a lot of second line, borderline first line players that are just up and down this lineup for their, you know, their top nine is just stacked in my opinion. And, you know, you don't have to go out there and play your top line 19, 20 minutes a game. You can rotate everybody in 16, 17 minutes and get equal play across the board of your top nine. And, and guys are energized and still competitive the whole way, you know, the whole game through. I mean, they're, they're getting ready to, to Vegas, Vegas. Oh yeah. Uh, They're, they're two games in hand, two points back. And, in a couple games, they might jump, jump the Vegas Golden Knights and be this expansion team sitting here in first place. Uh, this season suddenly has a ton of intrigue for the Seattle Kraken, and uh, they—I mean—they have to be one of those teams that you're like everyone's rooting for them, right? Like it's—it's it's hard not to. Do you think that they make a move? Are are they going to go Ooh. out there and try to acquire, you know, some they? Like a lot of teams, they need that center depth. <laughs> uh, but 
this team still has probably holes everywhere. I would say, um, especially the goaltending position has still been weak. I don't know if they can do much about it, but, uh, do you think they go out and make a move or do they just kind of like let this thing ride out? Yeah, that's a good question, right? I personally would like to see them make a move. I would like to see them bring in somebody, not necessarily somebody of significance. Like, you know, you're not going to go out and, uh, you know, make a move for Ryan O'Reilly or, or Tarasenko, right? You're not going to bring in one of those big name guys. Um, but I mean, I would like to see them maybe make a play on say, Oh gosh, you know, maybe Washington, you know, drops out and you, you bring in Eric Gustafson or, um, boy, who would be, you know, maybe even make a play on a guy like Matthew Dumba out of Minnesota, because, you know, rumors are he's been, been on the block and they would like to bring in somebody else. And, you know, he's not in their long-term plan. So maybe they make a play on a guy like that or, or Gustav Nyquist, who I think is somebody who can contribute in a top nine position out of Columbus who, you know, might fit him pretty well with, cause he's still got legs. He can still score. He dishes the puck pretty good as long as, you know, he has somebody who can finish. And so I think he would, he would fit in well in Seattle. Yeah. If, if I'm Seattle, I'm looking at my success and I'm going, I don't want to bring in anyone that's going to rock the boat. I don't want to bring in anybody that's going to mess with my top nine. I don't want to bring in anybody that's going to mess with my top four. Like things are just going well. And it's not necessarily something that you can explain. (laughs) Like they, they don't have a superstar up front. Uh, They're, you know, defensively they have, they have some good, good players, uh, but no one is a number one defenseman. So, I mean, I, I see this and I say, you got to ride this out with the guys that you have and bring in those depth pieces. Like, like a lot of, a lot of teams will at the deadline and they have three second round picks, two fourth round picks. You can spend one of those to bring in a decent asset that is going to kind of tip you over the, you know, put you over the top, maybe in that series with the Los Angeles Kings, which sure looks like that might be the series or, uh, where, where do you think Santa ultimately falls now? Do you think that they can jump Vegas? You know, I think by the end of the year, when it, when things start to get a little tighter, a little bit uh, more scrappy down the stretch, I, I, I don't think they'll, they'll hop Vegas because I think with, you know, a healthy Mark Stone coming back eventually and, you know, with Jack Eichel now being healthy for a stretch and they'll, they'll get it going, I think Vegas will take this division. But I do think that two or three spot looks prime for, for Seattle in the Pacific right now because I just – I don't know about Edmonton and Calgary right now. I know Evander Kane's coming back tonight, so that'll be a boost for Edmonton. But who knows how long it takes him to come back? And with a hand, you know, injury like he had, who knows what you're going to get? Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's weird to hear you say a healthy Mark Stone. So. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's let's sneak on over to the Eastern Conference here for a minute. Uh, you mentioned the Carolina Hurricanes uh, in the the Horvat deal. Uh, which which certainly would would embolden them at the top of that division. New Jersey is back to their winning ways. They've won five straight. They're one point back of Carolina, and the Rangers have pulled themselves into a divisional playoff spot. Uh, the Penguins and the Capitals, you know, hanging off in the in the uh, wild card along with the Islanders. <clears throat> so I want to ask you. Uh, where do you see this metropolitan division slotting out? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, right? I think, um, you know, obviously what I'm looking at is what New Jersey is going to do before the deadline, because um, this is a team right now that's, you know, playing some good hockey. They won five in a row and, 
but they've been a very streaky team all year long, right? They'll they'll go on a hot streak, they'll win, you know, nine out of ten, and then all of a sudden they'll lose six straight. Um, so for me, I, I think New Jersey probably down the stretch with a lot of younger guys. Um, you know, ultimately I think they'll maybe slip just a little bit, and I think this Ranger team is going to make a move here pretty soon. Uh, I can't see them staying pat where they are as far as the roster is concerned. So I think they'll bring somebody in before the deadline, whether that's Patrick Kane, somebody else, another big name. But I, I don't think they're going to sit idle. And so for me, the Rangers, I think, will make a push, especially with that goaltending. I really love Sesterkin, obviously, with the, the Vesna winner back there. So I think for me, the Rangers ultimately hop up to number two. You'll see Carolina still hold on to that number one spot. I think they're too well coached and not to finish there. And um you know, ultimately, I think it's going to come down to New Jersey probably around three, and then you're going to see, uh, I think, a, a dogfight between, uh, you know, Washington, Pittsburgh, Florida, and maybe you could throw in Buffalo there for that that wild card. Okay, here's here's uh, you mentioned Patrick Kane. Now we know that he has been struggling with an an injury, and there was rumors that he might have to shut himself down. Uh, he came out and said no. Uh, that's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shut myself down, but you have to want. I mean, he really he has not had a, a Patrick Kane esque season, anyways. But you got to wonder now with this injury, what are you getting when you bring in Patrick Kane, and what are you realistically willing to give up for a guy that you're gonna have to, uh, you know, you're gonna have to put him in three. Like he's gonna, it's gonna have to be a three way trade to dump salary. So you're gonna be paying extra picks for that that little bit of salary cap. Uh, is it worth it? Like, are you know, as as he plays more and more hockey down the stretch uh, for a bad team, mind you, which certainly can. I think impact some players, you know, you, you've already, you're already not playing for a playoff spot. So I wonder how hard it is to kind of keep yourself in that playoff mindset. Uh, and then you compound that with the injury that he has that clearly isn't going to get totally healed. He, he'll rest it, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll probably keep him out here and there and, and be able to rest it. But, uh, it's not going to fully heal is what it sounds like. So are you willing to give up first round picks and prospects for a guy who may or may not actually make an impact on your team? Well, so here's the big thing that, um, you know, I, I don't think most people are taking into consideration as much, but that's the fact he has a no movement clause. So, um, you know, regardless if, you know, you want to make a play for him, you know, I think Patty Kane ultimately is going to decide if he wants to go and where he wants to go. So if he says, you know what, hey, I want to go to the New York Rangers, the team that everybody's been kind of pointing to since the beginning of the season. If he says, I'm going to the Rangers and no one else. Well, if Chicago wants to get anything for him, um, boy, it's, you know, I, I yeah, don't but know. We, if but gonna... we've seen that before where a player is basically like, I want to go to this team and this team only. Uh what was it? Uh, well, Claude Giroux was like that last year. He just yeah. wanted to go to Florida, and that was yeah. it. And, Only place. And they still got a they still got a first round pick for it, and a, like right. And I I think the Rangers will ultimately give up a first round pick or any team for that matter for Patty Kane. But what they give up on top of that is, um, mm. you know, not necessarily going to be that much more. I think you might have to give up, you know, say a third or fourth round pick for another team to just eat a little bit of salary at the deadline and. Um, you know, I think, you know, for again, for a guy like Patrick Kane, who you could slot it on your third line and, you know, again, not have to play a lot of tough minutes and you could give him maybe 14 minutes a game where you only play him, 
you know, little five on five, but then he's out there on the number one power play unit full time. So that way, any injury, you know, you're kind of minimizing uh, the damage, let's say. Yeah, minimizing um, the risk, at least, of him right. having a block shot or something like that. Exactly. And so I think having him out there for a third line, especially on a team that maybe has a lot of depth on their top six already, um, you know, that to me is just going to mm. be, um, you know, I think an easy sell for a guy like, you know, for, for a team like the Rangers to say, okay, cool, yeah, we can we can easily get rid of the first-round pick. Now, if it's a team that, you know, ideally Patty Kane wants to go to, but they can only really, I mean, they really need him on their top their top line, maybe their top six, because they're just so short offensively up front. Um, you know, that might be a little bit more more of an issue. You know, for say, for example, maybe like, a, you know, um, gosh, you could maybe throw the Nashville Predators in there, right? They've struggled to score some goals. Uh, say for whatever reason, he decides, you know what, I, I want to go to Nashville City. I want to hang out there. Um, you know, whether we make the playoffs or not, you know, so maybe Nashville, you know, uh, gosh, you know, might be a little bit more hard pressed to give up, um, you know, something for a guy like that, that they, you know, necessarily need a little bit more than maybe the Rangers do, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it sure sounds like he's going to eventually end up on the Rangers. I just don't know if I'd be willing, you know, some, some of those trades you look back and you go, shouldn't have given up your first round pick for that. I, I just like now Patrick Kane is a different a different animal. Of course, Patrick Kane is worth a first round pick if he's healthy. That that would just be my concern is hey he's not healthy and and you know maybe that gets worked into the deal where you're you know hey it's a it's a second round pick becomes a first round pick if he plays X amount of games or we go X amount of rounds something like that. But yeah, that's great. Um, okay, I can't remember how we got there, but uh, oh right, top team in the. Uh, in the Metro, do you see Washington or Pittsburgh making a move here? I mean, to me, I mean, this is, it's pretty clear that these teams are in the twilight of their effectiveness. And if they don't make a move, I don't know that both of them make the playoffs. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I mean, when it comes to the Penguins, I mean, I, I think that you're just looking at a team that kind of has to ride out some of these contracts, like the the Jason Zucker deal. Uh, you're hoping that that goes away, I think. Right. And uh, Dumoulin's a UFA at the end of the year. Like when you look at that and you go, well, things are just like players are just going to kind of disappear more and more. I mean, Tristan Jari is a UFA at the end of the year. There's no guarantee that he resigns in Pittsburgh. There's no guarantee they want to pay him uh, what maybe he could get in the open market. And so in some respects, you look at this and you go, well, this might be the really the last year, at least next year might not look as good for the Penguins as, as this year could. So, you know, do you go out and make a move and try and bring in a top six forward and, for my money, like imagine bringing Bo Horvat into this team. I he mm. would not be a long term solution. I don't think that they could sign him to a deal and keep him. You know, at nine million bucks. Uh, but you consider a playoff run with Malkin, Crosby, and Horvat, and suddenly you're cooking with gas, and that'd be a a formidable three way line. And I mean, Horvat can play all over the place. He can play in the wing too. Um, with either of those guys. Uh, but the Penguins, to me, they've, you know, we, we know them as a team that can score a bunch of goals, and they're just not doing that. 
Uh, out of all the playoff teams in the East, they have the least amount of goals scored. And there is only one team in the entire playoff picture right now that scored fewer goals. And that is the Minnesota wild. So, uh, not used to seeing it. The penguins can't score goals. Yeah. And I, I think the biggest issue too, right now is, uh, Chris Letang being out. We know, I mean, recently, you know, with the death of his father, he's been out, he's been taking some personal time. Uh, and then, so they've, they've retroactively put him on IR today. So, um, you know, they, they say he's day to day, so we, we don't know when he'll be back, but he's only played 29 games this year. And, uh, for me, when you look at the back end to me, you know, I've always preached that that's where offense starts from the back end. And they don't really have guys, you know, on defense between Pedersen, Dumlin, uh, you know, P.O. Joseph and, and Jeff Petrie, who can really move the puck and, and dish it up like Latang. They don't have anybody even close to that caliber of, of offensive defensemen. So, um, you know, without that, I think that's a big concern because you can't really get the rush started. You can't get, you know, guys on the breakaway, you know, coming off, off the bench. You, you can't get any of those fancy plays going if you don't have guys that can really, you know, tape to tape the puck from the back end. And so, Right. Um, to me, I think that's where I'm looking more, more than a Bo Horvat. Um, I would like to see them bring in a piece like that because I think between Crosby, Malkin and Carter, I think you've got enough strength down the middle. Now, um, you know, maybe if you, you know, if you get a shot at Bo Horvat, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm taking it. I'm not going to say no to bringing in Horvat, but, um, to me, I think assets will be better spent on the back end. But to your other point too, I think, you know, with, with the way these guys are aging, um, you know, Zucker's contract coming off the books after this year and really, uh, you know, Jari potentially not being back after this season either. I think, uh, you know, pretty much this year and every year for the next few years, they're going to go all in at it every yep. deadline, in my opinion, as long yep. as they're still in the mix. Yep. And uh, well, I guess I, I guess you're saying that either Matt Dumba or John Klingberg are coming over to the Penguins. They've yeah, re- I think I think either one of those guys. Well, I think Klingberg might better fit because. I, I just I like his offensive abilities a little bit better than Dumba's, but um, I again I think either one of those guys would would work out pretty well. Yeah, and I mean Pittsburgh, you know, other than uh, other than Latang, and Latang's on a sweetheart deal too at six point one million. I mean, they really don't have that much money into their their defense <laughs> compared to a, a lot of teams. So uh, they certainly can should a lot a little bit more towards that uh, that area of their team. Now, I guess the issue is deadline cap space, which is at $1.121 million. So that's where, again, I bring up Jason Zucker and I go, I mean, he seems like, I mean, he's got 28 points. It's not as if he's not doing anything. You know, he's got 11 goals uh, on pace for, he'll score 20 goals again, and that's typically what he does. But at at $5.5 million, that's that might be where the money needs to come from. And the fact that he's a UFA at the end of the year, you're going to lose him anyways. Uh, unless, uh, you know, unless of course he, he comes back and signs a, a lower deal, but uh, it seems like that should be where that money's coming from. Uh, I guess your other, the other side of that forward conversation is a deal that you made recently. And that's Ricard Raquel, who's still, I mean, he's putting up nice numbers, 15 goals here. He's on pace for 30 goals. Uh, it's just, it's odd that they're not getting the kind of offense from a team standpoint when you've got your players are producing it at clips higher than what their career uh, generally would be at. So that's, that's unusual as well. Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to depth, right? And I think for a team like Pittsburgh, that's that's kind of where you've seen other teams succeed where they haven't. 
um, you know, your your bottom six guys, right? Like Drew O'Connor, um, you know, Kasperi Kapanen. I I would love to see a little bit more out of him, and maybe he's a guy that um, you know might be a reclamation project for for some team that says, you know, we're willing to take on a 26 year old with one more year after this season to see if we can't resurrect his career um, and turn him into a good asset at the deadline next year. But um, yeah, I, I think ultimately this team just needs a little bit a little bit more depth up front. Um, but again, I think, you know, again, when, when we talk about the offense up front starts at the back end. So, um, we'll see what they do. Um, clearly they, they need to move some money out, like you said. And so, you know, that might be a, a Jason Zucker or it could be, you know, um, you know, Casperi Kapanen, who knows, but, uh, something's got to give. Okay. Um, where are we going next? What, what do you, uh, do you have something that you want to chat about? Boy, you know, I, I one thing I did mention to you that I really was intrigued by was, um, you know, recent extension handed out uh, to Matt Boldy from Minnesota. Yes. Um, you know, I, I look at this team and I'm just I'm I'm surprised. I I guess I just, you know, looking at the issues they had with the cap in this summer and they had to let go of, you know, Kevin Fiala. And they lose a, a basically a superstar forward, a guy who's putting up a point per game in L.A. and looks like just a total steal of a deal at, at seven mil. And then they, they turn around and hand, you know, uh, you know, Boldy, a big seven year, uh, you know, eight times seven extension here. And don't get me wrong. I think he's, he's a fantastic player. And, you know, after a couple of years, this is going to look like a steal of a deal, but um, you know, was, was it maybe too early to, to hand out an extension right now, given that, you know, he's a young guy and somebody that could have just qualified and worked out an extension over the summer with. Well, I think what you're seeing is the Tage Thompson deal. It's very similar, right? Like about seven, seven mil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all remember over the summer when the Sabres signed Tage Thompson to that deal and we went, excuse me, you did what? He scored eight goals last year. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? And he's 25. Um, so they even they had even more maybe even more reason to not sign that deal with him because he had already shown that he couldn't really score goals and uh, well I guess thirty eight he had thirty eight last year sorry but but the year before that he had eight uh, so we were we were talking last year like is he going to ever be able to produce that way again or is it, was that just kind of a fluke uh, but they signed him to that deal and now it looks like he should be making. 11, 12, <laughs> and suddenly that's maybe the best contract in the NHL. It's going to, like, Nathan McKinnon's deal is going to end, and Tage Thompson's deal is going to look like the best deal in the National Hockey League. 7.1 million bucks. Um, maybe the only other guy I can think of that has a, a cheaper deal, but it's coming up, is David Pasternak at 6.6. Right. Yeah, and that that makes you wonder too. If if Boldy's getting seven, what do you think Pasta's going to get? Right? I mean, what's the trickle down effect of that for an elite winger? Well, I I mean, David Pasternak is one of the highest scoring players over the last what like since sixteen seventeen. I think he's he's in the top ten for goals, right? So I mean, you're looking at a guy who's gonna he's gonna get paid well into the tens, like. We're we're talking Johnny Goodrow money, um, sure. So I I don't think you're really compare like he's not looking at Matthew Boldy's contract because a he's a UFA. Boldy was is 21 years old, and 
and Boldy does not have the pedigree that Pasternak has. So I, yeah, I mean, Boston's about to pay like crazy for Pasternak. He's going to stay. Uh, uh, but and speaking of uh, of Boston, how about that Pavel Zaka deal? Four times four point seven five for uh, Pavel Zaka signing the extension. Something that New Jersey fans are like, are you freaking kidding me? Of course you leave and you play well. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. He had never had higher than 36 points in his tenure in New Jersey, and it looks like he's going to eclipse that, assuming he stays healthy this year. So, um, yeah, I think Boston is just, you know, I, I think, don't get me wrong, I, I like Pavel Zaka, and, you know, he's he's one of those guys that kind of move up and down the lineup, and he can kind of fit in anywhere in your mix. He can play on the wing. He can play center. Um, but I think this is a guy that basically they look at and they're trying to tell David Pasternak, hey, we're, we're not going anywhere. We're still signing guys. We're still right. going to keep talent here. And who knows, maybe they make a play for Bo Horvat as well and try to get him in on a long-term deal because they say, you know what, Patisse Bergeron or David Krejci are going to be gone. We're bringing in a guy who can center you for the next, you know, seven, eight years and is going to do well. Uh, just like, you know, he's going to do what, you know, I, I guess, you know, Bergeron and Marchand did. They're going to be the next you know, pair for this team to, to carry the next chapter of the Boston Bruins. Yeah, that would, uh, that would make sense from that standpoint is that you're so, sort of replacing Bergeron in a, in a Bergeron light kind of vibe. Right. Um, <coughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking across the league and there's, you know, the, the one team that maybe, I don't want to say they don't belong, but the one team that we definitely did not have in this spot is the Winnipeg Jets leading the Central Division. Uh, they've won three in a row. They're now eight eight and two in their last ten. They are an unbelievable seventeen and six at home. Uh, they're not only are they scoring goals, uh, you know they're they're they've been good at scoring goals. Man, they are out of every playoff team in the West, the best defensive team. And the only team with fewer goals against than them is the Boston Bruins. If you had told me at the start of the year, the Winnipeg Jets were going to pull a New York Islanders, I would not have believed you. Uh, but <laughs> here we are. I remember Barry Trotz took over the 30, 31st worst defensive team in the league and, uh, and turned them into the best defensive team in one year. And it looks like that has happened again. Not not because of, of uh, not because of him, but Rick Bonus. Rick My Bonus, goodness. yes, yeah. I mean, listen, we talked about uh, you know steel steals of contract. I mean, you know Nathan McKinnon's steal of a deal contract that he has. I look at Kyle Connor. He's a guy who's flown under the radar that nobody talks about, um, but he is pretty, we, we pretty talk much. About we talk about. Him. Well, yeah, we do. We absolutely do. <laughs> so why why are he's more from people- Clinton Township, Michigan? <laughs> I mean, listen, you look at when he came into the league, I think he's top six in the league in terms of goals scored since he entered the NHL. Uh, the the kid's been, fin- yeah, been phenomenal. And he just goes about his business quietly each season, doesn't say a word. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, since his rookie season, you know, 20, 20 games and five points. But after that, I mean, he's been 30 plus goals every single year outside the, you know, the short season and, you know, in 2021. I mean, even last year, my gosh, 47 goals. It was phenomenal. And I, you know, he's on pace to put up another 40, 40 pointer, um, you know, in goals, that's just going to be phenomenal. And he is what everyone thought Patrick line would be. Right. He, that's what he has become. 
you know, everyone thought Line A would be this perennial 40, 50 goal scorer. And, you know, what it turned out, it was actually Kyle Connor. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm interested because, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois has been having a phenomenal season and he's pretty much been, you know, centering Kyle Connor all year long. And so, you know, who knows if that has kind of a, a little effect, but, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois is looking for a new deal and um, I would like to see him get re-signed in Winnipeg. I think those two just, they look phenomenal together. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois has been great on both sides of the puck, playing great defensive hockey. Uh, he's a great face-off guy. And so I think if you can keep Shifley and du- Dubois around for a while, man, this team's got a couple really, really good centers, um, you know, especially with Cole Perfetti coming up and um, you've got some younger pieces in there. Not to mention on the back end, I mean, gosh, Josh Morrissey has been a revelation. And Neil Pionk, they've just looked fantastic back there. Um, you know, not to mention all this, we, you know, I continue to sing his praises every single day. Connor Hallibuck is just phenomenal. So, um, boy, he's got one more year before he gets an extension and boy, he's looking like he's going to get a bit of a raise. So, yeah. Tough part about that deal with, for goaltenders is that, you know, that deal ends and he's 31 years old. That's when it gets tough to make those calls for a goalie because some goalies are great into their thirties and some become like Sergei Bobrovsky. (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, and that's I, what and and you know frankly some become like Carey Price like Carey Price was never bad but he he just was hampered by injuries and those injuries have made this deal you know I know he took them to the Stanley Cup finals one year in the weirdest year ever right <laughs> right like that Canadian division and all that stuff. it it was kind of a like I won't say a fluke but that team definitely was over uh, playing above their pay grade. Uh, and that deal just has not worked out. I mean, they're going to, they don't care. They've got lots of money uh, to pay him for the next four years. If he's on IR, if he never comes back, who, who knows? Maybe, maybe he does come back, but uh, those deals late in life for goaltenders, they just are, it's a tricky business and it seems like it doesn't work out it works out less than it actually happens. You know, sure. that Bobrovsky deal, I believe he signed, he signed that when he was 31. Uh, I guess he was 30 when he signed that deal, whereas price yeah. was 31. So, and I don't, I don't think that teams are going to, you know, even Winnipeg for a guy like, you know, like, like Hallibuck, who's, who's a, you know, a top three goaltender, top five goaltender in this league. Um, I don't think teams are going to even hand out that kind of money anymore to, to goaltenders. Not, I think they'll not play. the term, but I, I think you might see teams go, okay. I mean, yeah, we'll pay you, we'll pay you 9 million for three years. Yeah. But I think a majority of, I think a majority of teams nowadays are going to rely or at least try to go to a format where they can have like a one, a one B and, you know, True. try to get those goaltenders to 50 games at the most. And well, and you're one, uh, it makes you wonder how much do, how much cap space do you a lot for your goaltenders, right? Like, Sure. If we're saying, I mean, Montreal at one point had what, like fourteen and a half million or fifteen million when they had Jake Allen and Price right. starting up there. So you wonder, like, what's the ideal cap space? Because yeah, I mean, of course you can have the you know, big cap number, and then your you got like what Winnipeg has right now, your David Riddick for nine hundred thousand, uh, or you know, do you go the, that? the other route of having a couple guys that are both paid in the, you know, we'll say the $4 million range 
and can both steal game. I, I think of the Boston Bruins. You know, Swayman, he's about to get paid um, where they had Tuka Rask last year, too. Like, they were willing to pay their goalies to have two good goalies. Uh, I wonder what the ideal allotment is for goalies. Yeah, I mean, I can say this. Um, no team wants to make their goaltender the highest paid player anymore. No, and, you know, with, with the Jets, you know, when, when his deal's up, the highest paid player on this team is going to be, uh, you know, Kyle Connor at 7.1. So um, I have a hard time believing, depending if they can get, you know, maybe, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois re-signed. But I have a hard time believing you're going to see, you know, Hollabuck anywhere far and above beyond that. He might be around that number, you know, seven, between seven and eight million bucks maybe. Uh, I could see him resigning for that on well, a short and, term. And I but, guess it's more about the cap percentage, right? Like maybe he's, sure. he might be at eight and a half million dollars, but the cap. And goes, he's lucking out too, right? When the cap in two years, the cap's going to skyrocket. Yeah. So yeah, he might pick the right time to be a UFA. To me, the deal at the ceiling is that like somewhere between 10 and 12% of your cap allotted to a goalie, right? Like you look at Tampa Bay, they're at, 12.6 percent and that's that's like probably what should be on the high end uh, then you you know you look at the low end for for teams that are good at least i mean there you can have a garbage team <laughs> and and not worry as much about it but uh, sure. <laughs> on the low end you've got someone like the pittsburgh penguins 6.4 percent to goalies and that's probably low that six which which you kind of you're lucking out getting Jari at three and a half million. Uh, but I guess maybe the New York Islanders are the best test case because there you've got, that's uh, two goalies, both signed five and $4 million. And there you're right at almost 11, 11%. So somewhere in that 10 to 10 to 12% range for your goalies, I think is appropriate if you have good goalies, but that's probably where you want to pay them. You know, somebody who's making, eight percent of the cap and somebody who's making two to four and then you're in a good position to uh to win because yeah i mean we see it you have to have two good goalies or you are screwed you're screwed and there isn't a like even brian elliott in tampa bay is winning games for the lightning uh you need to have somebody who's competent competent back there because if you don't you end up being the Vancouver Canucks, you end, you end up being yeah. Could you the St. Louis Blues or the, you know, the even the Nashville Predators. Like there's, there are some good teams that are getting skunked out by their backup goalie. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine Seattle if they hadn't signed Philip Grubauer and they had a competent goaltender in there? Oh my gosh, right? he's actually been playing better. Yeah, better as of late. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, gosh, you know, you wouldn't have to go out and try to score eight goals every night, right. but. Imagine I mean, if Colorado had re-signed him. Right? Where would yeah. Darcy Kemper be? I mean, Darcy Kemper would still be in Washington, but, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Gorgiev, you know, he might have re-signed somewhere else, right? He might be in Seattle. That's true. Um, well, any final thoughts as we uh, we ride this one off into the sunset there, Justin? Boy, um, if oh, so let me just ask you because I know – you asked me this question to start the show, so I'll finish the, the show to ask you the same question. Bookend this bitch. <laughs> who is the first to go in Vancouver? Okay, first to go if, in Vancouver. I, if not Bo Horvat. Yeah, I I feel like 
the other answer is, of course, Brock Besser. Okay. Uh, but I'm I'm going to go a different direction. Uh, I'm going to say that it's Tyler Myers. Ooh, okay. I, I like think that answer. Tyler Myers will be the, the, the first piece to fall. He's making $6 bucks. He's got a 10-team no-trade list. That's fine. Uh, Vancouver might be forced to hang on to a little bit of that deal, which... I think you I think you'd be okay with uh he just isn't somebody that in my mind where Vancouver is at and where they're going he's just not a necessary component to uh to the rest of their team. He doesn't really he doesn't seem to fit very well. I think there are teams that he would fit uh particularly teams that he doesn't have to play as high up in the lineup. He can kill penalties, which I mean he's a freaking gigantic person so um you put him in the right spot on a penalty kill and he can really succeed uh i'm i'm looking at you know maybe even the pittsburgh penguins who play a little bit of a you know they're a little bit of a slower team and you know maybe you think well we don't want to add someone who's slow to a slow team but at the same time maybe do you add a player who who plays more at your speed which it's really weird to talk about the Penguins being a little slower because they were so freaking fast when they won the cup. But that was five years ago. Can you believe that? <laughs> five years ago? <laughs> wow. No, that was like, that was seven years ago when they won that cup in 2016. That's unbelievable. Oh, I feel old. <laughs> I think I was in my 20s. We're not talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so that's that's why I'm, I'm going Tyler Myers. And... Uh, Okay, final Vancouver question. Does a goaltender get moved? Does Thatcher, Out of Thatcher Demko say bye-bye to the Vancouver Canucks? Boy, um, well, I'm going to say no to the regular season. Off-season, that's another question now. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Thatcher Demko could obviously get a huge return. I think uh, there will be a line of teams that would love to, to take him on and take a chance on him. Um, not that I think he's, you know – having a terrible year, but I, I don't think it's been the right year for this team as a whole. So I'm not blaming him at all, but um, yeah, I don't think, you know, like, you know, Jim Rutherford said, he's not one of those untouchables. Right. So it, it could happen. Now I, I don't think because of his injuries, uh, goaltenders tend to not really, there's not too many goaltenders moving in the, at the deadline. So um, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, but if they, if they try to get younger, if they want to bring in some, some other, young pieces maybe you know gosh i can't even imagine i i can't think of a team maybe offhand that in the offseason might need a goaltender but um yeah who knows maybe maybe the la kings come calling well, the carolina the hurricanes could always use a new goalie <laughs> that's very true right they uh they tend to go through them every couple of years and they've got a couple uh ufas and then who knows maybe he makes a check you know yeah a good partner for kochek off there and that works out pretty well for them but all right. Yep. Or, or Seattle. Seattle, could you just jump right across the pond there uh, over to Seattle and they can just send him Grubauer. <laughs> Easy switch. All right. Well, that's our show. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Justin, have a great rest of your day to our listeners. Enjoy uh, whenever, whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this. Uh, we hope that this isn't the best part of your day, but also we're glad it wasn't the worst. We'll talk to you later.